This is the best podcast. BEST stands for Business, Entrepreneurship, Startups, and Technology. I'm your host, Adam Sokolich, and each week we talk live on social media platforms like Twitter Spaces so that you can stay up to date with the latest news and stories, learn the greatest tools and tactics, and gain some of the best opportunities to connect with new people. Special guests include top founders, CEOs, and experts. Plus, the audience is always full of fascinating people. Even Elon Musk recently tuned in. All of our conversations are educating, entertaining, and engaging with the mission to help you succeed. So follow us on all your favorite social media platforms, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and of course, tune in live to the best podcast. Let's talk soon. My name is Adam Sokolich, also known as the best of live audio, and I'm so excited to be talking with you folks today. We've got a great show. We're going to be diving into all things AI, ChatGPT, and of course, Intercom. And we've got great people here. We have Des and Fergal. Uh, Des is the co-founder of Intercom, and Fergal is the director and the head of machine learning at Intercom. So guys, how are you? How's your day going so far? Great, thank you. Really good. Thanks, Adam. Good, glad to yeah, have you. Right. Just to say uh, thanks very much, Adam, for having us on. Yeah, and it uh, sounds like my mic is working right, which is always a good start. Absolutely. So the room will populate over time. Uh, we have Owen in the audience as well. People will be growing in, as the space goes on and on. But again, I know how time uh, is very, very important for you guys. So let's dive right in. Does that sound good? I'll start with you, Dust. Are you ready? Sure, yeah. All right. So, guys, you are running a fantastic business with Intercom. Of course, you're leading the way in regards to customer support, creating better customer experiences as well. But the topic we want to be talking about today is, of course, AI and ChatGPT. I saw you guys and you have a great YouTube video and podcast in the last couple months or so where you guys dive into that as well. But let's take a step back for a moment. I'll start with you, Des. So tell us the story. How did you from Fergal and the team like recognize the opportunity for AI and ChatGPT more recently as well? Tell us that story. Well, the AI piece is kind of that goes back many, many years. Fergal's been with us for quite a while. The uh, I guess like at a very high, simple level, uh, we produce like, or we we power like tens of millions of conversations, uh, you know, uh, hundreds of millions on a monthly basis. There's a lot of text there. There's a lot of stuff we could learn from it. There's a lot of stuff we could predict from it. And, uh, you know, a, a few of the folks here, Kieran, our former CTO, uh, I believe knew, knew Fergal for quite a while. Uh, he was well well known and very well regarded within Dublin. So when we got an opportunity to work with him, it was kind of, kind of like a, a no-brainer given the opportunity we saw. Then I'd say the first real, like, uh, significant release uh, that we had from inter- Intercom in, in this space was Resolution Bot, which is live and doing great today it's uh, it's basically a bot that will answer common questions based on on what you know how your customer support has been going uh, through history and then and so like a resolution bot is now i think at this point maybe two years perhaps fergo can correct me when he jumps in but uh, two or three years old and um and it, you know it continues to evolve continues uh, to be very successful for our customers we see people regularly automate like 60 70 80 percent of their common answers using resolution bot uh, and then the gpt stuff is more um you know, you can tell when something's brewing in the zeitgeist. Everyone's talking about a certain area. Everyone's talking about a certain space. The open AI, obviously, we are familiar with Sam Altman. We're familiar with uh, GDB. It was ex-CTO of Stripe. But it just seemed like there was this convergence of uh, high, high-quality folks working in a common area. And we had all been playing with everything. Like, we were, we were early involved for we can give you the details, but like we were very early involved 
point their first uh, releases. Then obviously once they started, once things like Dolly started to really capture the imagination of folks, it became clear that this was a, a bigger thing than, than folks were kind of foreseeing. Uh, once we started working in the open AI sort of playground where you could ask questions and it would do things like auto-complete sentences for you, it was very clear this was going to have implications for the world of customer service. And then ChatGPT, I think, launched maybe like 30th of November or something around there. I think that was when like it was like, okay, uh, you know, uh, let's let's get all over this as quickly as we can. And maybe, maybe Fergal, you can take it from there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think, Des, you've given a great intro to the, the history. Um, you know, Re- Resolution Bot, actually, these days, from Intercom's perspective, is, is more like four years old, actually, at this point. T- time passes by. Um, but but clearly, this this space is, uh, is just absolutely key to Intercom strategically long term. Like, you know, the idea that, like, w- we really believe that medium to long term, the majority of customer support, customer service interactions are going to be automated. And so when someone comes along with new technology that seems to be just, you know, a leap forward in terms of being able to kind of handle conversations and handle natural language, that, that's just obviously strategically core to us. And so, you know, like everybody else, um, we saw the launch of, of, of kind of chat GPT and the launch of, um, of the DaVinci Tree model at the same time. And um, we just were really looking at that and being like, wow, this is a, this is amazing. This is very promising. And, and trying to figure out, you know, okay, um, this this looks promising. What are its limitations? Is it real? Is it a, still a toy or has kind of a cross that line to be actually ready to solve business problems, to solve customer problems? And I, I think, you know, everybody uh, everybody is trying to figure that out at the moment. And I think, you know, opinions are, uh, are I think, are starting to crystallize there and excited to kind of get into that a little bit today. Absolutely. And so as we get into this, folks, I just want to make sure we're all on the common ground. I'm sure there's AI and, and GPT experts in the audience, but let me go back to you, Fergal, real quick. You know, I'm a dad. I have a six-year-old daughter. I'm sure some of the other parents are out there. And one thing I like to do is simplify very complex ideas down to something that a five or six-year-old can explain, right? Or understand, rather. So, Fergal, to help us get everyone aligned, how would you explain GPT and everything that you guys are doing uh, to a five-year-old, just to simplify it? So, so to, to, to take the question literally and to, to really try to bring it down to that level, you know, like, look, um, you know, computers now are able to learn things a bit like a kid can learn things. If you give them enough training data, if you give them just enough examples of conversations, they sort of learn how language works a little bit like how a kid learns how language works. And, you know, they're not perfect. They don't deeply understand things like we do. But they're just, we're getting way better at teaching computers um, how to process and how to use natural language um, that, 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 kind of, that comes naturally to humans. And so I, I guess to kind of to, to take it up a level beyond that, you know, there's just been this revolution in machine learning uh, based on, you know, what people call deep learning models, big neural networks. And, um, you know, in recent years, they're really starting to get to the point that when you, you really scale them up, they, uh, they, they start to learn to work very well with natural language. They start to be able to, you know, what we would say, understand natural language and certainly process it and certainly be able to, to kind of to work with it very well. They just get more, they understand more context and more kind of semantics than they would have before. And so, you know, for us, what's really exciting about this is that capability has arrived. It's not perfect. They're not perfect at like, you know, reasoning about stuff. 
but they're they're really starting to get to the point where it's like, yes, you know, I could build a, a natural language interface here. I could set out to build a natural language interface here. And it might well work now in a way that would just have been out of reach three years ago. Got it. So for, I want to go back to you for a moment because you started touching on humanity and technology and in a way how we can uh, work well together. Now, as you look at your own customers, as you think about your own technology, I'm wondering what the challenges that you're seeing with the users and at the same time, the sophistication of them, right? Because you must have some that are very sophisticated and some that are not. But I'm curious about that evolution that as you guys have been working with AI uh, and GBT more recently, what have you seen in regards to the challenges and sophistication of users? Yeah, so, you know, I definitely think there's a, there's a range of sophistications out there. You know, some customers are heads down and maybe a, a more traditional line of business. Maybe they're a later adopter of technology. And then like other customers are like, you know, B2B SaaS, like maybe super technically sophisticated themselves in, in their own core business. And, you know, so these different customers are, are going to engage with the technology at, at a different level. Uh, that said, there is something, you know, I think really happening here, which is that, you know, this technology is, is crossing a threshold where almost anyone can look at it and go, wow, this is, uh, this seems to understand what I'm saying or, you know, and again, it doesn't deeply understand, but it seems to, it's, I, you know, I can talk to this and get it to do what I want in a way I couldn't before. And so everyone's heads, even, even, you know, maybe customers who are less fast at adopting technology, they, they instantly want to know, okay, can I use this? If I'm doing customer support, can I use this to, to make things faster, to make things more efficient? And so, you know, th that's against the backdrop of, you know, Intercom. When I joined Intercom first um, five years ago, our, our, our customers were, um, you know, the, the bots were starting to get good. It was starting to become possible to use basic kind of natural language processing to build bots that that didn't suck and you know our, our more discerning more sophisticated customers were were starting to ask us about that and so you know th there has been this journey here through kind of traditional machine learning based bots to you know good neural networks about two three years ago to like you know large language models now that are that are really starting to you know uh, approach human level not 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 really understanding but human level kind of basic text processing and so you know uh there, there has been a journey customers have been on that journey with us they've they understand and they're much more comfortable with ai but then this new thing is sort of like uh is another step forward and something that i think people look at and they're like wow obviously this this could have big impact and then they want to know is it ready yet Yes. And I want to know that as well. But I also want to know about the impact. I'm glad that you brought that word up because as I think about this technology, I think how exciting it is. Right. But at the same time, I'm wondering, OK, what is the exact impact that we or rather your customers are seeing? So, Des, I want to go to you real quick about this. When you, th you know, let's role play. Pretend I'm your customer, if you will. How do you calculate that impact, that economic impact and ROI for your customers? Or rather, how do you guys think about that as you talk with those customers of what this technology can do for them? I mean, ultimately, I'll start simple and I'll move towards something more like meaningful. Ultimately, this has the potential to reduce a lot of undifferentiated transactional type support where people are asking the same questions over and over again and they just want the fastest quickest uh, answer and the business wants to 
ultimately to resolve the conversation as quickly as possible. Uh, so what, what it really offers is like a better experience for users and better results for a business. That's that's what the ROI is. Your customers will be happier because they're getting instant replies. Your business will be happier because you know, ultimately you have happier customers. And then like if you say like launch a new feature or if you're like launch a second product or or like if you're going through hyper growth, you, you, you can break this like linear correlation between like, uh, you know, the, the growth of your business and the required growth of, say, your customer support team. So that's kind of how it, how it actually plays out. Uh, it takes away what we believe to be like reasonably undifferentiated sort of common conversations and actually produces, in my opinion, like in a lot of our customers and their customers' opinions, a better experience. There's a lot of the pushback we see uh, in kind of conventional regular society or in tech media would be like, well, it's going to be a bot and it's a worse experience. And I just think that that misses the mark so often. Like if you're, if you want to ask a question about when is, you know, when is my flight boarding or if you have a regular, how do I reset my password type query, you actually don't want an artisanal hand type to reply. You you don't really want to watch somebody sweat over a keyboard to get you what you want. You just need to know your thing and move on. And that's what, like, that's what you know. These advancements actually support. They just support like instant resolution. And again, that has uh, you know creates positivity on both sides of the equation. Happier customer and a better business. Sounds good to me. So as I was doing research for this space, by the way, does you know I'm exploring as much of the technology as I can, but I, I stumble across other things as well. And I've even written articles on uh, like app stores and marketplaces and just the power and the pretend and the potential for growth of a company like Intercom when you have that. Now I stumbled upon, I didn't even realize you have an app store. So quick question, and I do want to relate this to AI and GBT, is you know, with this app store. Are there innovations that you're seeing, maybe just in general, but also is there a way to collaborate with these other apps with an AI perspective? Because I know what you're creating, but as you, as you think about collaborations and innovations in regards to AI and ML, um, are there ways to collaborate with third parties and with apps as well? If so, what ideas or maybe what have you seen so far, if, if you can share some? Uh, I can share, like, we've definitely had requests. So, like, unlike other messengers, our messenger itself is a platform. You can, like, you can put apps inside the conversation. So, um, simple examples would be things like uh, look up my order and the support agent can launch the order lookup app and that will let them basically enter their order number and get their own uh, kind of serve themselves. So, our messenger itself is a platform. Uh, where, where a software can run the examples like that we've been asked about a lot of it has been like <clears throat> has been people saying hey this this gpt stuff looks pretty cool i'd love to investigate like integrating that deeply uh in, into our messenger and uh, and in those areas like people are, are free to go and build that like there's nothing stopping them doing right now there are probably like honestly dozens of folks doing it i think like generally speaking when when you think about platform strategy and you think about building on a platform the right way to build is to find the areas that are not universally useful to all participants because when it's universally useful to every single intercom customer you have to assume over time that intercom itself would own it so i I think where the opportunities will lie is say domain specific things so you can imagine like in just various verticals like say hospitality travel utility B2B SaaS, B2C SaaS. I think you'll see more opportunities uh, to be uh, creative there. And and then, like, we should bear in mind, like, you know, ChatGPT is just one thing that's how happened of late. There have been other advancements, like we were, we've were we all played with Dolly and kind of lost our minds for a few months. That has an opportunity 
possibly to do something here as well. Um, you've got synthetic voice technology coming online as well. That again, that could be useful here as well. So, I think you know, I'm very, very glad we have an app store so that people can inject this technology. But I, I think the best way to, in general, to like, whether you're building an app for the iPhone or whether you're building an app for the Intercom Messenger, the right way to think about it is like, what is a niche where I can actually nail the use case and like kind of realize that in the form of a business, as opposed to say being like the first person to build like copy and paste on the iPhone and then surprise, surprise, six months later it gets out and natively to the entire platform so that's kind of how we think about that Love it. I love it. And you, I mean, it's inspiring. I start to think about the different specific niches, as you mentioned, uh, as well as just I've been diving into synthetic voice. So the fact that you bring that up is just it's inspiring and I, it brings so much curiosity and I'm wondering what will happen next. So speaking of that, you know, Fergal, let's bring you back in for a second because I'm, I'm curious. We're talking about the potential, but what are we missing? Right. Or, or rather, what are you seeing that maybe some others aren't that could be coming up next, in your opinion, Fergal? Right. So let, let, me, let me give a little bit of context and sort of like the core challenges in customer service, customer support. And then from there, kind of like I'll, I'll go into, you know, what this what, what the sort of the wave of technology that's currently starting to rise, like what, what that might unlock. And so, you know, like customer support, customer service um, contact centers like it. It's big. It's a big part of the industry. Like I've seen stats like, you know, 4% of the UK workforce works in contact centers. And, you know, at Intercom, uh, we really believe that like more and more of those contact center interactions are, are going to happen over like messengers and chat because that's natural and it's it, it's good. And then, you know, naturally, um, the questions are, well, you know, agent efficiency, a support rep is, is kind of like answering questions or helping customers all day. And uh, you want to make them as efficient as possible. So, you know, Intercom and other help centers, they all have like, you know, macros and maybe some form of like, you know, suggestions and basic productivity tools for the reps. And we, we invest a lot in trying to make the, the inbox experiences as productive as possible. And so what's kind of interesting here is, does this tech unlock a whole new level of productivity for those reps can those reps be like dramatically faster at this this like job that's that's a huge part of industry can they be dramatically faster at that via this technology and you know we think we're starting to see signs that that's the case we're starting to see that you know we can use the sort of the, the gpt or or other large language model kind of powered solutions to to kind of like give you suggestions for what you might be about to say anyway to make that kind of like fast and contextual and just just better than the previous generation of tech could do similarly there will be some issues some support issues where it's it's rote and you know customers come and they ask the same thing again and again they just need help to get started and where a bot today like a resolution bot or like other bots you know they can use like basic natural language processing to be like okay I understand this question. Here's like a, you know, a pre-curated, a pre-canned answer that helps. And we sort of think that like bots like that are also going to evolve. They're going to go from something that's, you know, good, but doesn't deeply understand context and nuance to something that like looks a lot more like I think everyone saw a chat GPT that, you know, wow, this, this can like hold a conversation with me over, over several turns and like, Give me, give me stuff that's that's relevant. And yeah, okay, the large language models, they currently hallucinate. They currently will sometimes make up answers. But 
everyone's working and we're working and we've got prototypes now that, that try and address that other folks have prototypes that try and address that and so we sort of think like there's something big coming here there's something potentially industry changing something that can potentially like really really you know move the needle in terms of like large economic productivity and um look we're hopeful uh, that that uh, you know we'll be one of the companies that starts with um lots of folks are working on this so th- th- that's kind of like to me that that feels like the big opportunities in in our space that unlock from this tech and i think we're going to see a lot of movement on on those areas making reps more efficient answering more and more questions automatically um you know p- pretty soon over the next year or something like that you know Ooh, that's interesting to know. And so actually, I had a question for Des, but I'm going to go hold on to that for just a second and come back to you, Fergal, because I want to touch on something that you just said. But before I do that, you know, we've been having this space for about 20 minutes now. I just want to do a quick refresh and welcome all the people that are joining us. We've got a great conversation today diving into AI, GPT, and of course, customer support with the Intercom team. Des is one of the co-founders. And of course, we've got Fergal here who leads the ML, the machine learning team there. We're just diving into all these different aspects. And so, Fergal, to come back to you real quick, I start to think of, you know, if I'm using this as a product, if I'm a customer, right, and I have a background in psychology, I just start thinking, okay, I know I'm talking with uh, a bot, if you will, or I think I am. So I start to wonder, is the information that they're providing completely reliable, right? Is it always going to be completely accurate? And of course, then for me to to go apply and create a, a safe outcome. So I'm curious, how is Intercom handling the accuracy and or the improvement of accuracy in regards to its agents, its bots, and the responses of its uh, information? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the big question. If, uh, if, you know, all these large language models just gave us high accuracy out of the box, or if they even just knew what they didn't know, then, um, then you know, clearly they'd be a, they'd be a, you know, a no-brainer game changer immediately. And um, you don't quite get that. You get a lot of hallucinations, a lot of where it's like, you know, because they're just trained to like complete text. They're not trained to like give accurate text. And, you know, I'm glossing over some things that they're starting to be trained more in that way in the last year. And that was an innovation behind uh, ChatGPT. But, um, but, you know, but mostly they're doing like text completion. They're not doing like deep understanding the way the human would. And so, you know, they will occasionally make stuff up. But, you know, maybe we can work around that. Maybe we can try and ask them, try and like condition them with the prompts to like try and avoid making stuff up. Maybe we can do things like build an overall system where, you know, you've got a a core part of it is the large language model that decides what it would like to say next. But then it's constrained somehow to only say things that are like known true, known curated facts from the business. Maybe it's constrained to only show results that have a source attached to it where it's like, hey, you know, I'm a bot. This is what I think my answer is. And, um, you know, here's why I think that, because this particular help center article, you know, here is a little snippet that I've highlighted from that. And so. You know, it can dialogue with a user to kind of like understand the user's question. But then, like sometimes a good human support rep would do it and say, hey, okay, let me give that back to you. Here's what I think your question is. And, oh, I've looked it up in this doc. And, you know, here's here's what I think the answer is. And if you don't trust me, if it's consequential or important for you, uh, here's why. And, you know, at Intercom, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's moving very fast, but we're starting to see some success in those directions. And we think that, you know, 
we think that there, there will be, if not total solutions to you know these these core issues of accuracy, and um, the models will get better, and we'll put them. We and others will put them together with uh, with interfaces that that kind of blunt the negative impact uh, of those trust issues, and so that will become. We 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 now believe that. Um, a lot of businesses and a lot of domains will be able to accept that experience and that trade-off. I'd also just add uh, to Fergal's point, like, I think UI design changes in a world where like, I, you know, we've always believed that like bots should be unapologetically robot-like in their appearance and behavior uh, versus like, oh, you know, there are other bot products where they try and pretend they're a human, they have a name and they have a face or whatever. I think like, you know, it's pretty clear now, especially post uh, ChatGPT, that like, you're better off being upfront about the fact that you're a bot and and as a result, you know, and that can be anything from like how you communicate, whether you're like your monospaced uh, font that appears like a typewriter the way say ChatGPT behaves. But I think you need to make it clear like what's a bot so that people have that context before they go all in on your suggested answer. That's one aspect of it. Another aspect is I think we need a UI pattern for communicating uncertainty that we've just never needed before in a world of like drop downs and buttons, right? But like these days, like a bot might have an idea or might have multiple ideas and it might be like, it sounds like you're asking about one of these two or three things and they might like propose more than one idea. And I think you, you might have to see like advancements or changes at the very least in UI that allow uh, like projected uncertainty uh, based on what bots are saying and then make it honestly substantially different when you when you roll over to a human and make it clear that you're now actually talking to somebody and you can take their word for uh, you know as like pretty much trusted in a sense so i think there's more things that will change as a result of this and it's not the case that we have to get to 100 certainty before we can do anything we can work pretty well because the advancement is, is definitely like an roi positive at much lower percentages I'm glad, I'm glad that you brought that up, Des, just because, again, with my background in psychology, I think about this human technology or rather human computer interaction, just that trust you used a really key word. Do I trust this answer? Now, Fergal, you brought up a great point of providing things like source uh, sources of, of where the information came from. But now I'm curious about kind of the dynamics of the situation of let's just use the, the scenario. I go in, I'm using uh, the, the bot, I'm using the chat, and I see or I know that it's a bot on the other side. How do you either flip it and then, you know, push it to a, a human rep if needed, a good human rep, or at the same time, if you guys do A-B testing, for instance, what would the general, um, what's the word, what's the word, uh, feeling, resonance be with the user being like, oh, I trust the response of the technology versus I trust the, the response of the human? Because over time, as it gets better, I'd, I'd have to imagine it starts to flip a little bit where the technology is going to provide better responses than potentially the human. And that would be interesting to hear more about. Yeah, I yeah. mean, so maybe maybe I can maybe take that. The, you know, like a lot of those questions that you ask about there about like, you know, measurement and A-B testing and so on and, and, and kind of escalation or failover to humans, like that, that, that's pretty comfortable ground for us at Intercom. Like our, our resolution bot has this whole way of like, you know, bowing out gracefully from a conversation if it isn't giving an answer. And, you know, we get feedback from the user. The user can say like, yes, that helped. They can choose to say nothing if they just go away, if they got the answer, or they can choose to like continue talking to to the teammate. And we use those as signals in A-B tests that we run at scale to validate like minor improvements and minor changes in machine learning models. So I think, you know, the industry has a lot of tools to measure 
whether these things are working or are delivering value or are failing and failing over the humans more at scale. Um, and, uh, and you know, that, that kind of that handover pattern is it, 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 sort of well understood, you know. That's just only part of your question, but that, that's the first thing I would say. And Des as well. I'm open to hearing from both of you. You go right ahead. Yeah, I, I think th- what, what will be interesting is uh, today a lot of the like you know training that like you, you know, in, in general a human in the loop sort of uh, uh, bots uh, a lot of the training tends to be like what are common questions that we can you know get a good answer to so that we never have to see it again. I think the new sort of zone of inquiry will be like what are the things that cause a handover and how do we get better at those specifically to re- reduce the amount of handovers. Again, I go back to my thesis that like. An instant answer that's accurate is the best outcome for all parties. So the quicker and you can get to that, the better. So I think like a lot of we'll, we'll focus on that. But like I, you know, as Fergo said, like we're, we're familiar with the idea that these conversations can be like uh, entirely bought or bought augmented. Like that, that's pretty smooth. Uh, for us and we can and, and like you know for what's with intercom we, we care about other things like if you want to route your like vip super premium customers true to have a human only experience in real time you can do that like we can do that sort of triage with our messenger and make sure that like you know that your human support is is focused on your on your most valuable accounts if you like whereas the bots can kind of pass you know your bot can be frontline support for a lot and then and then escalate upwards and like all of that will will need to get built and that's that's kind of why um why I suspect there'll be so much innovation in this space uh, over the next while, but it's why simply like Messenger plus ChatGPT is not a complete support stack, if you know what I mean. You, there is a lot of like tried and tested support patterns that will still persist after this technology is commonplace. Yes, yes. And I'm curious about that innovation. You know, real quick, um, I want to hear from you again, Fergal, because as I think about not necessarily the future of AI, but rather where it can go as it learns from itself, right? That unsupervised learning aspect of this, as well as learning from the input that it's getting from humans and and the input that it's getting from your team as well. How do you see that evolving over time as AI gets better, as the technology gets better? And then, of course, it just starts learning from itself. Can you kind of dive into that a little bit? Yeah, I, I, I can. I, I think I better I better get you know contextualize that question a bit because we could get into the whole like self improving general intelligence area, which is, is is sort of is much larger in scope. But I, I kind of at a at, at maybe a, a kind of a more uh, business relevant, more immediate level. Um, you know, like our tools, parts of Resolution Bot learn on the fly from customer activity already. And that's not unusual. There's lots of machine learning systems that, you know, have users, have customers in the loop. Um, these large language models today are mostly used in sort of a, you know, kind of like what the, like a zero shock context. You, you sort of, you know, the last generation, even like two years ago, people were fine tuning these models um, that maybe is starting to seem less important, like they, they, they kind of they work better just out of the box. And so, you know, um, I, I, I think uh, we, we may see a situation soon where, you know, it, people are starting to take these models and they're starting to deploy them where they're customized to a given domain, they're customized to, um, to a given business. The, one of the big advancements of, you know, GPT 3.5, chat GPT, was this, you know, so-called reinforcement learning with human feedback, where they used like a lot of uh, manual sort of like training signal to kind of take the, the accuracy of the bots and the usefulness and the alignment of the bots and to, to kind of like increase them and, um, you know, get, get, get a lot better than they could do with just unsupervised data. And so 
maybe we'll start to see that crop up in industrial settings. Um, I'm not aware of that just yet, and this tech is, is so new, but, um, but perhaps, perhaps it'll go like that where, you know, a particular business has got like a large or a medium-sized language model um, where they use that sort of like reinforcement learning with human feedback and, um, and where like it, it gradually over time without human intervention, without explicit human intervention, um, it improves for a given business. I, I think, I think, you know, that, that's sort of like really at the cutting edge and, um, and it is sort of like open questions at the moment. But, uh, but certainly I think, you know, there's going to be big changes here. There's going to, there's, this is, this is, this is a change in machine learning. Like my team, we're, we're you know, we're, we're starting to work with like these models in, in a different way, mixing them with more traditional systems. And I, I expect those, you know, Des has alluded to a change in user behavior. We're going to have it so that, you know, users are going to get better at interfacing with these things. UX patterns, design patterns are probably going to change. The, the, the promise of this tech and the software we can build with it just seems too great for it not to have a major impact. And so I think everything is probably going to change and there's probably going to be some dependency there between how we train a machine learning model, how it learns, um, and then how user interfaces change. All, all, all change in different ways. And I, I think yeah, it's a very exciting thing about this space because we don't know the potential of these things until we can properly project forward and see how they can how they kind of all change in lockstep like that. And so we're very excited. We're doing a lot of, I guess, applied research in this area at the moment at Intercom because uh, it's just so important for us. And so, you know, uh, yeah, we're, we're really excited to see how this plays out. It is exciting. And I'm glad that you said at Intercom, because that was actually leading to my next question. I'll, I'll go to you with this one, Des. I, as I think about the power and potential of this technology, not only for your customers and your customers' customers, but also for your own business, right? I'm curious, how will you know AI and GPT affect Intercom's internal team, your processes, and just overall business? Because yes, you're pushing this technology out into the world, but I have to imagine it's making an impact on your own team as well, if you can share more about that. I mean, yes, it is. And to give you a very simple example, like GitHub have a feature called Copilot, uh, and Copilot basically lets you it augments your code or suggests things or helps you helps you basically uh, become a better software engineer by effectively. It's effectively the simplest way to think about it is like an, an AI that's pair programming with you to help you spot mistakes or to help you finish things or to kind of do a lot of the undifferentiated heavy lifting of code as well. And I, I think like. That's one example where like engineers and like there's been some interesting stats, not specifically for Intercom, but where people are seeing like double digit incre- percentage increases in just sheer productivity just by having uh, that simple plugin inside Visual Studio. Uh, and I, that's one like very simple example of, of like how AI is just changing businesses. I think we will see more and more. Um, but for for us specifically, like we obviously heavily use, we support Intercom with Intercom. We use our own bot product. We have built as Fergal's team have built a lot of uh, a lot of features to help our support team uh, out. Um, we'll have probably more a lot more to say about that on. I think, Tuesday, um, but uh, uh, until then we're not sharing too much. Um, but yeah, the, we've been we've been sort of adopting the technology a lot in various different places. But I, I, I genuinely think um, like every business will have to adapt. First of all, these sort of tactical buy this product or, or start working in that way type thing. But I, gen- I yeah, what Fergal said earlier, like, I think the nature of interface design will start to change. People will be comfortable. Like if you even just take take for example this Twitter spaces we're in. A thing I would like to say is follow all of the speakers in this channel right now. And I could type that out and ChatGPT would know exactly what I meant and it would know how to do it. 
but what, what that's another way of saying is I think natural language interfaces will become quite common because these technologies exist to understand the intent of the input. So and like that might seem like a trivial example, but imagine you're a consultant working in a project management tool. You could say something like, uh, this project is over, email all the clients, thank them for their blah, you know, thank them for the thing, shut down the project, send the bill, and you could type all that, hit return, and all of those actions could actually be taken. And I think this is the way in which we need to reconsider the nature of user interface entirely. Like we've gone you know, obviously we went from the command line to the GUI, mouse and keyboard style input, to the touch screen. But I think we might be going back to the keyboard now, but this time there's like very advanced AI on the other side, hearing what you're, you know, reading what you're typing and taking really informed actions based on it. So I think the transformation is is bigger than any single tactic that we've been using, but the tactics are all individually very useful too. Ooh, I love this. I love this. I'm getting so excited just hearing more and more about it, especially the way that you phrased that. Uh, two examples, right? So one, let's just touch on it. Everyone in the audience, this is Adam Intelligence, other kind of AI. Please go ahead, follow the speakers on here if you haven't already followed Intercom, Des, and Virgil. Uh, they have great content. They're pushing out great information, great thoughts as well. So go ahead and do that. But to your other point as well, just I could use that command, that prompt of send, you know, completing a project, setting out invoices, stuff like that. I want that. So I love where we're going with this. Um, but let's keep going. This is a great conversation. I absolutely love talking with you about this. As we talked about your team for a moment, what was going on internally at Intercom, Des, I have to imagine that as you know, you're building out your team, it's probably growing in some ways as well. So just from a talent perspective, what are you guys looking to hire? Are you guys hiring more machine learning or other specific areas? What do you guys need right now? We are specifically hiring uh, machine learning, and then I think just in general, like uh, one one way Intercom works is we just we don't really, with the exception, with the genuine exception of machine learning, and I'm not just saying this because Fergal's uh, on the call. Uh, we don't really believe in specialization. Uh, we we just we're hiring engineers is the best way to put it. And then separately, like one one role we created as a result of all this is we actually have an AI designer. Now I don't know if that's the exact title, but like a designer who's used to working with. Uh, a world of like uncertainty, a world of chatbots, a world of like you know designing conversations where where you know robots are in the loop effectively. So this you know, this is in the very near term is creating like new roles and new opportunities. But we do think a lot of this will be like uh, you know it's not going to be the case in the future that like you know you have a big project management software product and you have an AI team in the corner. I think what you'll have is a model where. Everyone is doing AI, and there might be one team in charge of the core technology of the AI who partners with all those other teams. I think that will ultimately be a more successful sort of model. And then lastly, I just say there are there are and will be like new types of roles in the customer support landscape where you'll have people being like the manager of support intelligence or like the person who designs the conversations that are for common flows or whatever. I think you'll see more of that type of work as well, where people realize that like the the assumption that like everything goes through like phone call to messenger to tier one, two, three escalation, that might change. And we might have preferred paths and there might be like, we might say, hey, we always want the, you know, the bots to own this chunk of the thing. But if I, if ever X gets mentioned, we want to behave this way instead. So if you think about like, you know, laying out a support strategy, it's quite different than it might have been before where your options were basically an IV or phone tree or just throwing a headcount at it. I think you're going to see this new type of role emerge who actually has to work out the most effective and efficient way to kind of balance all of these investments. I love it. I love it. I can only imagine some of your managers that are already trying to get their feet wet or already established in that area. They're either very excited by this or at the same time, I'm wondering if they're overwhelmed. But I can imagine it's only going to get better as the technology gets better. So, Fergal, I want to bring you back in because as I think about, you know, the current, we're in ChatGPT 3, uh, 3.5 is 
kind of coming or if not here already. And then there's four. So what are your thoughts on these models? What are the other models that are out there or, or rather kind of explain what that innovation curve could or would look like? Okay. Yeah. So this, this, this is, this is a hard question. And, um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of just domain uncertainty here. Um, so, you know, like there's certainly there's a GPT, GPT 3.5, um, you know, Da Vinci, text Da Vinci three, text Da Vinci two, just before uh, this year. Um, you know, really good models coming out of like open AI, um, really good at kind of like handling natural language understanding. Um, trained at like large scale and then reinforcement learning with human feedback in there. And, um, you know, obviously there's, there's rumors about like how big will the next model be? How good will the next model be? Uh, I don't have anything to particularly to say about that. I don't know anything about that. Um, but definitely when we look at the sort of the, the curve here, when we look at like, you know, it, it seems like with, with more compute and with more data and, you know, this debate about how much is more data, how much is more compute, uh, these models will continue to get better. Um, there's, there's other players as well. It's open AI, uh, but there's other players. I, obviously, I haven't played with Google Lambda. It looks very impressive from their papers. I, I, you know, I, I bet that's a very impressive model. Uh, there's another player called Anthropic. Uh, we have played with their models and used their models. They're very impressive too. Um, up there, you know, it, as impressive as, as anything else we've seen. And so, um, you know, there are, there are multiple teams spending large amounts of resources on computation, on data, and on like reinforcement learning with human feedback and human annotation. And they're making progress. And that progress seems like it's not slowing down. And, you know, obviously, I don't know, nobody knows, I think, um, people speculate, but I think nobody really knows what that curve looks like in two years. Does it start to, like, asymptote out where, you know, you need increasing amounts of data to, to kind of, like, improve accuracy? Or does it go the other way? And, um, you know, reinforcement learning with human feedback is, is, is very interesting. That, that's, that's a new technique that was added to these kind of, like, trained models at massive scale that, that, that seems to have improved them a lot. So, you know, the, the, the bullish case here is that there's a sense in which it gets easier and easier to train these models and to, to, to you know, that they, maybe they become commoditized or maybe, maybe, you know, maybe what we have today becomes commoditized and maybe, maybe we see, like, vastly more capable models. That's the bullish case. And I guess the bearish case is that, like, hey, you know, we, we hit some, like, asymptote or some, like, you know, scaling law that works against us um, we discover that you know uh, to, to really you know they get to a certain level of understanding but then they get confused and they hallucinate and that we can't get them above that understanding um, so that, that's kind of like that's my best guess at kind of like looking where this goes I, I'm personally pretty bullish I think that even the sort of tech that we've gotten to already there's, a bit, there's an overhang I think you know there are many many business problems and use cases that can be solved with that tech if we sort of like apply it in the right way that we haven't even you know we haven't nearly exploited yet and I also feel that the rate of progress of the folks you know building the models and, and building bigger and better models it, I think is only going to increase I, I this is just a personal guess but I just see so much money and resources and interest going to flow into this space that unless we hit some like totally unexpected technological limitation pretty soon, we're going to have vastly better models 
over the next few years. And um, yeah, and you know, hopefully we can turn them into a lot of uh, economic productivity and remove a lot of drudge work from humans. And um, yeah, and, and, and they do great things. Um, yeah, that's, that, that, that's, that's the bullish case anyway. Good, good, good. And I want to come back to you real quick as a follow-up because I know you mentioned uh, a few models, you mentioned a few companies as names, some great ones out there that you've worked with or maybe could be working with in the future or rather trying out. Um, one question I always love to ask people, and, and it helps people in the audience just get a better picture of who else to learn from in this space. Yes, go learn everything we can from Intercom, but for you, Fergal, who are you know one or two or just some of the leaders in the technology and the AI space that you would love to talk to? And I'm not talking about CEOs is it, uh, you know, other organizations. But for instance, you know, Sam Altman at OpenAI would love to talk with David Deutsch, who's in the philosophy space, but obviously he loves to dive into AI as well. So for you, Fergal, who are some of those people that you learn from or that you would love to talk to as well? I mean, I think it's such an exciting space. There's so many interesting folks doing cool stuff. And, um, you know, I'll answer the question very personally. Um, you know, two folks that uh, that I would pick, um, Andre Caparte, who, you know, was previously at Tesla doing self-driving cars, um, I, I think uh, has done a great job at sort of like, you know, teaching folks and like bringing people like it's just I, I get so much intuition whenever I listen to uh, one of his talks. And so like I would really recommend him. And uh, he's got some like long podcasts out there. He's got like some cool videos on YouTube about, hey, how do these models work if you, if you build them from scratch? And just, uh, you know, someone who's that kind of like mix of like a bit of maybe a bit of a hacker, if that's an OK thing to say, a bit of an engineer and um, also a scientist, I, I think is, is just wonderful uh, to learn from and so I, I always find that inspiring and then um, maybe you know again showing the same sort of bias uh you know john carmack who uh famously was a really really great programmer i remember doing computer graphics work in my undergrad and trying to learn a lot from uh, from, from from his sort of code and that uh, he's um he's just kind of made this like all-in bet on general intelligence and Again, I've no, 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 no particular, no, no, no public information here, but just like, I really like that idea of like an engineering approaches to kind of like hack on general intelligence. Like it, it's starting to feel to me that, you know, maybe a bit of a long shot bet, but like, Hey, you, you could do something really cool in this area. And so, yeah, I would, I would love to, to talk to either of those two people. Those are two, uh, I guess leaders on sort of the, the, engineering applied AI side that, uh, that I, I, I find inspiring and I can't wait to see what they and, and, and others do uh, over the next couple of years. It's just it, it's a really exciting time to be in this field. It is exciting. It is exciting. Okay, so we've been running about 45 minutes. I want to be respectful of your time, everyone in the audience's time as well. So we'll be wrapping up in just a little bit. I've got an announcement to make. We've got another Twitter space coming up tomorrow with a guest I want to tell you all about. But at the same time, Des, let's come back to you because as we think about everything going on with Intercom, it's certainly an exciting time. Now, I found you, and of course, we've connected a while ago here on Twitter I've seen people use Twitter for their own customer support, right? Either communicating to the brand, like an airline, for instance, or vice versa. The brands can communicate back to their audiences. So with you, Des, you're obviously here on Twitter. We're on here right now. What are your thoughts on Twitter? Everything going on, the advancement of it, the evolution of it, the innovation of it, especially in the last year or so. Just curious. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a broad one. Uh, I guess where I think I'm excited for Twitter is the fact that it feels like the product is moving for the first time in quite a while. You know, like I'm seeing new features get added uh, at a pace faster than I had seen before. I've obviously observed some of the um, more um, 
I've, I've definitely bumped into more bugs of like specifically on notification counts or something. I think anyone with a slightly busy uh, Twitter account is getting a lot of like shadow replies and stuff, uh, which is just kind of odd. But I'm, I'm sure that stuff will get fixed or whatever. In general, I think there's a huge, huge opportunity for Twitter. You're seeing like TikTok get all the heat they've had. You're seeing like the ways in which Facebook has changed its focus or whatever. I do think there's an opportunity for Twitter to really reemerge uh, as, as the kind of the new uh, like, you know, way to share videos, share tweets, share like, uh, you know, for brands to market, etc. I think there's, there's like obvious opportunities and I don't doubt, like I know some of the folks in Twitter, I, I, you know, and then I follow a lot of them, uh, people like Esther, people like Leah Culver, whatever, like they're clearly like working hard on like, you know, producing a next generation, like a Twitter too. And, uh, and I, I'm fully here for it. Um, there's obviously a difficult path for them to cross. Uh, they've got, you know, they've gone through huge layoffs, etc. So there's like a, probably a lot of reconfiguration still happening. But I do think the opportunity is is massive. And then like on your point about like say support brands, uh, brands doing support or whatever, I think that should continue. I've always felt Twitter has not produced enough compelling reasons for businesses to give them money. Uh, and I just think like, you know, omni-channel support is a thing. Businesses regularly offer WhatsApp as a support channel. They don't offer Twitter. And that's entirely because Twitter has lacked the tooling. Meanwhile, Facebook was off buying up help desks to make WhatsApp a thing. So I just think there's, there's like, there is a lot of opportunity there. Um, but like at times Zuckerberg's quote about Twitter being like the clown car that fell into the gold mine, it has kind of felt like that at, at times where I'm sitting there, why won't you do blah? Why won't they add this? Why can't I customize my profile page? Why can't I, why aren't bookmarks any use? All that sort of stuff. I feel like the wheels are starting to spin and the good ideas will emerge. And we, you know, if you can move, you can improve. And for the first time in a long time, I feel like they're moving. So I'm optimistic overall. I love it. I love it. All right, folks. Well, we're coming up at 50 minutes. I want to be respectful of everyone's time. So we're going to cut it short without doing Q&A, unfortunately. But I've been so excited to talk with you. I hope you and the audience have enjoyed this as well. And there will be more coming soon, right? It sounds like you guys have updates coming in the next, well, near future. Let's say it that way. At the same time, your co-founder, Des Owen, he'll be joining me here on Twitter Spaces tomorrow. I'll be posting that in just a few minutes. So I hope you all can join. We're going to continue this conversation because as you started talking about, you know, in a way, innovation with Twitter and leadership there. Well, similarly, what does that look like in as leadership changes in the economic environment out there in the world? What's going on uh, in the future with different business models and heck, the future of intercom, things like that. So I'm excited to dive in with him tomorrow. But Des, Fergal, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. You're doing tremendous things at intercom. I'm excited to hear what you do next. So Fergal, what's, what's your last thoughts? And then we'll hear from Des as well. I mean, just honestly, thanks very much for having us. Just general excitement. Um, this is an extremely exciting time. Like, it, it feels like uh, a technology shift. Um, and, you know, look, that's always hard to call when you're in the middle of it. Um, I, I'll contrast it to blockchain. Like, I, I wrote a really early paper in Bitcoin, and I was aware of that pretty early on. And I never kind of went to work in that field because I was like, it's cool, it's neat, but I don't know if it's really valuable. Uh, whereas AI, it feels like we're starting to see this like huge rising wave. And I just see so much value unlocking here and so much work to do to actually to realize that. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm bullish. Um, my, <laughs> you know, the die is cast. Uh, I, I'm, I'm calling this and not, not controversial anymore, but just this is this is exciting. This is real. Um, a lot of work to do. But uh, industries are going to change here. And, um, you know, delighted that I get to work at Intercom on, you know, one 
pretty large part of a, of a problem for a particular industry. So yeah, super excited. I love that. And how about you, Des? What's your, what are you most excited about or what's your key takeaway? Honestly, I, I think, you know, I've been debating this for a while. For a while. I think this is at least an iPhone moment. And that I think that's like the, the lower floor for me for what's changed in the software industry. I think it's around about there. That what, what happened in 2007 when we saw the arrival of the iPhone and, and all of the advancements and honestly business disruption that followed from that. I think that's a, a floor. Fergal had said previously, uh, words as about what you alluded to, this might be as big as the internet itself. Uh, it's somewhere in that range. And I think if you're out there running a business, uh, building a product, you have to be aware of, of the new capabilities that are out there. And you have to go through the most common workflows, input, output, jobs to be done, whatever method you use to sort of research and understand it. And ask yourself, in what way does like GPT-like large language models uh, enable better input, better output, all that sort of stuff? Um, because I, I think very few businesses won't be ultimately changed by this. And if you're sitting there saying everything's fine, nothing to be seen here, you will be left behind. I really believe that. Like Much like when the businesses who didn't have a mobile app were pretty much dead in the water by 2012, 2013, I think people who haven't realized this new world that's unfolding in front of us, uh, they'll be really struggling in years to come and they'll get disrupted by the startups that see it. Ooh, I love this. I love this. Like, guys, we could talk all day long, but you got to get back to work. You got to keep running great things at Intercom. Of course, keep going on with this AI technology, GPT. I'm so excited to hear everything that's coming up next. Reminder, folks, tomorrow I'm also talking with Owen, the co-founder of Intercom here on Twitter Spaces. I'm about to put that in one of my tweet threads now, and I'll post more about that in just a little bit. But otherwise, I want to thank everyone here in the audience for tuning in. Please follow Intercom. Please follow Des and Fergal. They're doing great things. I'm so excited. And again, I want to thank you, Des. I want to thank you. Fergal for joining today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. All right, folks. Again, my name is Adam Socklich, also known as the best of live audio, and I love hosting these conversations. There's many more to come. I've got a whole AI series, uh, and next week we got the CEO of Replit on here as well. And then there's even some more coming up in February uh, that I think you'll be very, very excited to tune in for. So follow along, and I hope you all have a great rest of the day. Take care, everyone. Bye. This is the best podcast. B-E-S-T stands for business, entrepreneurship, startups, and technology. I'm your host, Adam Socklich, and each week we talk live on social media platforms like Twitter Spaces so that you can stay up to date with the latest news and stories, learn the greatest tools and tactics, and gain some of the best opportunities to connect with new people. Special guests include top founders, CEOs, and experts. Plus, the audience is always full of fascinating people. Even Elon Musk recently tuned in. All of our conversations are educating, entertaining, and engaging with the mission to help you succeed. So follow us on all your favorite social media platforms, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and of course, tune in live to the best podcast. Let's talk soon.